This morning, uh, we're going to continue in our series, so we're going to be in Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 9. We're going to continue in our series on the ten plagues of Egypt. The title of the message this morning is Free to Praise. Free to Praise. Exodus chapter 9. If you would stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. We're going to read the first seven verses, which is the entirety of the fifth plague. So here we go. Ready? Word of the Lord says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and, and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your houses, donkeys, and camels, and on your cattle, sheep, and goats. For the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt, so that no animals belonging to the Israelites will die. The Lord set a time and said, Tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. And the next day the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died. Yet his heart was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you that you're so good to us. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just be with us today. Lord, it would not be my word spoken, but yours spoken through me. That those who would have an ear, let them hear the declaration of your word today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So like I said, we're, we're on this in this series. It's been about seven weeks so far, and we've got a few more weeks left of, of this series. And and we're at the fifth plague. And so we've seen the, the Nile turn to blood. We've seen the plague of frogs. We've seen, uh, we've seen the plague of gnats and the plague of flies. And now we're to this plague that is a plague where all of the livestock are going to die. And so this is a plague really where God is beginning to attack not just the comfort of the Egyptians, which is what has been done before, right? The the Nile turning to blood, the frogs everywhere, the biting gnats and flies, all of those things are, are really the attacks of comfort upon the Egyptians. But then also we see that now God is starting to turn and say, hey, look, it's going to get worse for you. If you continue to not let my people go, if you continue to not release my people, it's going to get worse for you. And so now God has decided that he is going to begin attacking uh, the economy of Egypt. And we'll see later on that he really does um, some terrible blows to the economy in in the seventh and the eighth uh, plagues. But here he's starting in, in this moment. It's a plague where God, again, he's beginning to attack Egypt's animals, and he's saying that that there's going to be a famine and a plague upon your your livestock, upon all of your animals, and they're going to die. Many individuals think that quite possibly this could be uh, anthrax that is passed along to these 
animals because of all the dead frogs and then because of all the flies. So the flies would go and pick up uh, the disease and the plague and then they would give it to the livestock during this time. But, but also we need to understand this as, as much as we want to sometimes to explain these things away naturally, we also must understand that the root of all these things is something supernatural. We have to understand that every single one of these plagues is not just simply something that can be explained away by some natural phenomenon. This is something that we must understand, that it is God who is doing this. And so whether or not the, this plague came from the flies that God sent, that came from the frogs that God sent, it's still God doing it. And so when we look at this, it says that he's attacking the horses and the donkeys and the camels, the livestock in the fields, cattle, sheep, and goats. And so here we have this, uh, the, if you understand horses, horses are important things. These are, these are uh, animals that are used to go to war in order to carry the chariots of Egypt, in order for them to be able to, to conquest and protect themselves in war. They would have horses. They would need horses. And so God is, is now essentially, he's killing off their way to do battle in some way. If you look at it, donkeys and camels, these were, these were ones that were used for travel, were used for carrying heavy loads, were, were used in, uh, to, to work and to, and to deliver their goods. And so if God is killing off those, he's, he's now destroying somewhat of a supply line or the supply chain of Egypt out to other empires. And then flocks and livestock, these were used for food, for clothing, for work. You, you can't till necessarily the, the best field or plow a field really well unless you have a healthy ox. But those are dead. And so God is making this attack upon Egypt, this, this mighty work, this fifth plague, as, as really a, hey, this is the start of something, and, and again, you need to turn to me. You need to do what I'm asking you to do. But then again, and we talked about this last week, but Israel is set apart from the Egyptians. It's seen, and, and even Pharaoh goes and investigates. It says that, that Pharaoh went and he, he, to look into and to see what happened in the land of Goshen. Is, is, are all of these animals, are they all dead too, or is it just ours? And he sees that, no, God did make the distinction again. I also think it's important for us to note, and we'll talk about this later, but the main economy of the Egyptian uh, people and of the Egyptian empire was more agricultural than it was animal husbandry. However, the main economy and the main way in which Israelites lived their lives were through, was through animal husbandry. And so God is furthering making this distinction and this understanding that God is caring for his people specifically in a way that specifically speaks to his people. That his people are those that, that raise sheep and livestock. His people are the ones that, that need the sheep, that need the flocks, that need the livestock, that need all of those things. The Egyptians don't necessarily need it, but they do need them for specific things and certain things. But it's not like their entire economy is going to be destroyed with this one plague. 
And so we see that this is now and God is continuing to show his power over Egypt, his power to Pharaoh and to the magicians and to every single Egyptian official and every single individual that is within Egypt and making a distinction saying that the Israelites are my people. But as I was reading this, I I was trying to kind of think through and, okay, how do we, you know, 10 plagues, one plague a week, like it's, it, sometimes it's, it's, it gets kind of like a broken record saying the same thing over and over again, that God is greater, right? And as I was reading through this, and as I was looking through this, I saw uh, an interesting thing, it just kind of, <clears throat> kind of popped out to me, and that's kind of the way the Holy Spirit works a lot, is as you read His Word, things will tend to be highlighted in your mind and in your heart and stick with you for a minute. And so as I was reading, I, I noticed the words in which God is speaking to Pharaoh, and I, and I noticed it even more because I went back to the other plagues, and I noticed that that's the same verbiage that God was using for Pharaoh, to Pharaoh. What does he say? Well, he says this in, in verse 1. He says, he's speaking to Moses. He says, go to Pharaoh to say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. It's really interesting. These individuals, this, these people have been enslaved for hundreds of years. And God wants to free them. Why? So that they can just be free? No, so that they may worship me. You read in the this past week the the plague of the of the flies you read that and and it says the lord says let my people go so that they may worship me the very beginning of all of this the first plague the the plague of the nile turning to blood that moses goes to pharaoh and says the lord says let my people go so they may worship me i think it's important for us to understand that that freedom and the freedom that the Israelites have and are being, our, our God is wanting to give them is, is a freedom to be free to worship. It's not simply so that they can be free to get back into bondage. It's freedom so that they may worship me. So that they can truly be a people that is set apart. They can truly be a people that's, that is different, that my hand is on. And so the question that I have for us this morning is what do you do when you are free see freedom in in this passage and and in the passages before and really in every single thing that that the lord does i find that there's this theme that freedom that god gives freedom to his people throughout scripture and and all of the freedom what it should lead to what it should point us to is this understanding that god is the one that's doing it and he's worthy of our praise in other words freedom inevitably should lead to praise it should lead us to worship See, God wants to free his people in this passage so that they can be free to come and worship him, to be with him, to commune with him. Now, this isn't just some crazy, you know, uh, being, supernatural being in the sky that that is just wants to be worshipped. That's not what the point is, is that I'm trying to make. 
I'm trying to make is that it's, it's, it's not this, this, hey, you have to worship me kind of God. It's, it's one of those where it's, I'm providing all of these things. All you have to do is be with me. And, and really, our, our praise and our worship in our lives is, is us communing with God, having that, that connection with God. That there's, there's no other place that will be closer to the throne room of God until we stand before God as our worship and our time of worship. Now, worship is, is so important to God, I, I feel. And Scripture would actually back that up. You look at the throne room of God. You look at what's happening with, within the throne room. We, we sang about it, right? The angels in Isaiah chapter 6, they're, they're, what are they doing? They're worshiping God. Individuals that these are beings and, and the seraphim, these, these great terrifying beings are, are constantly in, in communion with God and they're worshiping Him. You even see in Revelation chapter 4, these same beings, the, the viewpoint of God, of, of heaven, of the throne room. And what's happening in the throne room? Worship. Because the understanding is, is God is doing all of these things. God is greater, and He's the greatest, that He's, He's the best. He's greater than anything I could ever perceive or comprehend, and He's done so much for me, and so therefore I must praise. I find it also very interesting that Satan, the enemy, was leader of heaven's praise team before he fell. There's something very important about worship. There's something very important about praise. And all of our freedom should lead us to praise. The fact is, is that a life with Jesus does bring freedom. John 8, 35 and 36 says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. This is, this is Jesus speaking directly to the house of God and the family of God. But a son belongs to it forget, forever. In that verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that freedom leads us to praise. That freedom should always lead us to worship. The thing is, is some of you have come in here, and if you declare Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what that means is that you have, you have been set free from sin and death. And so you have freedom. And so if you come into this place, and that's, and that's what you ha have experienced, you've experienced freedom, that, that weight that's coming off of you when you prayed that prayer, that, that, that feeling of newness, of, of being able to finally breathe in life, that's called freedom. That's what Jesus came for. It says that He came to set the captives free. Each one of us, at some point in our lives, we have been slave to sin. The wages of sin to those things is death. But Jesus has set us free. Maybe you came into this place and you've been free of an addiction. Maybe you've been free of pain. Maybe you've been free of a sickness. 
Maybe you've been set free of depression or anxiety. Maybe you've been set free of of not knowing your identity and now you've found it in Christ. All of those freedoms should be met with praise. I believe that Jesus speaks over our lives just like God spoke to Pharaoh. And essentially just saying, let them go so that they can come and worship me. Let them go of that sin. These principalities and powers have no effect on us, have no power over us. They do not, uh, they do not control us. We are free so that we may worship Him. And sometimes I wonder as I was preparing for today, how often do we experience freedom and that doesn't lead to us worshiping Him? How often are we healed? How often are we shown favor in our jobs? How often do we, that, that, that one conversation that we were, we were so terrified of, how often does those, do those things go well and God does something great and it does not lead to worship? How often do we understand and experience truly the depth of sin and the depth that Jesus went to be able to show us grace and mercy? How often do we understand that and live our lives according to that? There's a story in Luke chapter 17. Jesus is walking and and he's traveling in Galilee and, and there's these ten lepers that are on the other side of the road. And they call out to him and, and they say, Jesus, have pity on us. Jesus sees them and notices and knows that they're lepers and, and essentially says, he, he tells them, he says, go and show yourselves to the priest and you'll be well. And it says that as they were making their way to the priest, they began to see that their skin was no longer leprous. They were healed completely. And of these ten, there was one that came back. It says one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. How many times have we decided that we were going to be one of the nine lepers. God did something great. And that was it. We just go show ourselves to the priest. Oh, you've been made well. But one came back. And I wonder if you continue reading in that passage, it says, Jesus says, well, where's everybody else? Weren't there ten of you that got healed? Weren't there ten of you that were cleansed? Why is it just you? And, and it even makes a point to say that this one leper was a, a Samaritan, someone that's a foreigner. And then Jesus' response to him is, is your faith has made you well go. And so I, I wonder if those lepers see the healing that they got and And instead of worshiping God and and praising God, I wonder if they got they went to the 
the, the rabbi, they went to the priest, and they showed themselves to the priest, and the, the, as soon as they walked through the door of the tabernacle, their leprosy was back. I wonder if, if that was, and I'm not sitting, I'm, I'm, this is all speculation again, I, I don't know. But I wonder if the only person that was truly healed, that was truly free of the sickness, was the one that chose to praise. Instead of the nine that chose not to. And so for us this morning, again, what do you do when you're free? This should lead us to praise. The thing is, is so many of us would sit here and be like, well, pastor, aren't you being a little legalistic? Like, isn't this, you know, like, well, you should be praising God because he's God. Like, isn't this like you're trying to light a fire under us to worship and and to praise God? Isn't that legalistic? Aren't you, you know, and, and I would just simply say, no, it's not. Because legalism essentially says this is what you must do in order to be free but jesus says you're already free now you can pray for so long we live our lives sitting there and saying that well praise is part of the way that i get freedom no no no. you're already free well praise is the way that i get healing no 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 You praise Him because He is who He is. Because you've been set free already. Because He's worthy of all of our worship and praise. Now, I'm not sitting there and saying that you should sit there and say, well, I'm just not free. I haven't been free, and so therefore I'm not going to worship. No, that's not the point. The number one reason why we worship is because God is who He is. The second reason we worship is because He set us free. And so even if he hasn't set you free yet, doesn't mean that he's not worthy of our praise. And so for us in this place, I wonder how many of us are free and living in freedom, but not using that freedom to praise. And the thing is, is even, even Paul writes this. He says, some of you in 1 Corinthians, he says, some of you say, well, I'm free to do whatever I want because of Jesus. The reality is, is yes, that is. But Paul says, but it doesn't mean every single thing is profitable. You can have freedom, and you can have all this freedom, and, and we can just continue to talk about our rights and what we get to do and all of these things. And the reality is, at the end of the day, we still must worship. It doesn't mean that, that we're free to just continue to live our lives the worst way possible. Or however we feel like living that day. Let me say this before, but you know, so many times we, we base our lives off of how we feel in that moment or just how we feel in general. And the reality is, as Scripture says, that the heart is deceitful. That, it, that it's, it's full of wickedness. And so living life how you feel, that, 
that's not working out for you very well, I bet. But for us, we should, we should be free and take that freedom. First, praise him. And then live out that freedom. We talked about that last week, being set apart, understanding. This is, this is what it is. We're, we're free. We're no longer in prison. Anybody ever play Monopoly? Yeah, you, all of a sudden you're in jail. I don't even know how those cards, I don't even know how to get in jail at this point. It's just, oh, I'm there. There we are. But everybody else that's not there, what are they just visiting and they can leave? In the same way, that's how our lives are with the Lord. But the world around us is in bondage, is caged, is this, are these individuals that that don't have freedom. And and in our lives, when we come in contact with those individuals, it's simply just visiting. (laughs) We don't stay in that place anymore. Why? Because we're free. We can choose and what God wants us to do is be able to, to go in and have those conversations and to, and to beckon people out and call people out of that bondage. They don't have to pay the fine or you know, roll doubles or however you get out of jail in Monopoly. This understanding for us is that we're free and when God sets you free. When the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. And that freedom should be followed by worship. And so what we're going to do is this. I'm going to pray. And after that, we're going to worship some. Well, Pastor, we are, didn't we already have four songs? today and that one just kept going on and on and on are you free freedom should lead to praise and maybe you came in in here today and and the reality is, is that if you ask the question, are you free? Not what are you doing with your freedom, but just even, are you free? The answer would be no. Maybe some of you have come into this place and, and you have an addiction. Maybe some of you have come into this place and, and, and you, you, you just seem to live your life a hopeless way. You seem to, to be living your life, if you were looking in a mirror, it's just, it's just brokenness, it's anxiety, it's depression, it's not knowing who you are, not having an identity, not having hope, any of those things. You, you maybe have come into this place and all of those things have kept you in bondage and yet Jesus wants to make you free today maybe you've come into this place and and there's some bitterness or anger there's unforgiveness within your heart that needs to be dealt with maybe some of you you are enslaved and you are caged in your own pride such a horrible cage when you're the one keeping yourself in it God wants to give you freedom today. 
Jesus wants to free you. Why? So that you may worship him. (laughs) And so that's what we're going to do. And so I'm going to pray. And if you're here today and you would just say, you know what, Pastor, I, I need freedom. I need freedom from whatever it is. Fill in the blank. That freedom can be yours this morning. And so we're going to pray, and then after I'm done praying, man, I'd love to be able to pray with you if you'd say, I need freedom. I need freedom from something. I need, I need the Lord just to free me of, again, fill in the blank, whatever it is, addiction, anxiety, heartache, hurt, whatever it may be, I'd love to be able to pray with you. Why? Because I want all of us in this place to be able to praise because we're free. And so today, if, if that's you, again, I'll, I'm going to be just off to the side whenever we're, we're worshiping. And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship. And we're going to worship God like we're free. <laughs> we're going to praise him like we're free. Why? Because freedom leads to praise. And if you're free in this place today, he deserves our praise. Let's pray.